We're back again. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase. I'm Josh, and we're here to give you episode two in the Ahsoka series here today. Last week, we kicked off with a banger of an episode one. So much action, so much fun things to go through. A little bit of nostalgia, bringing back some of the original grandeur of Star Wars, mixed in with some of the new aspects that they're there kind of doing with the Mandalorian and the Obi-Wan series and just uh, really good stuff for a, for a first episode here. And so now to here today, we're going to move on into episode two. I took us through the summary last week. Chase is going to take us through the summary here today. And before we go ahead and jump into it, I'll turn the floor over to Chase to say a few words. Another banger, man. This Ahsoka series has just been killing it from the start. And uh, it's going to be a hell of a ride. Great to be back in a galaxy far, far away, man. Let's get it going. Cheers. Cheers, brother. Yeah, man. Sounds good. Let's put a glass in the air, and I'll let you dive right on into it. Let's do it. Okay, so this episode, we start off with Ahsoka. Remember last episode, Jane Ellie took us through Sabine was on the ground, and she got stabbed through the stomach uh, with the lightsaber. Well, uh, Sabine wakes up and Ahsoka is standing over her. And Sabine tells Ahsoka that the droids took the map and that she unlocked it before they took it. And she tells Ahsoka that there was two galaxies and a pathway between them. And the droid that took the map, uh, she took it. He, the droid took it before she could decipher it. And the droids destroyed the records and her findings. And Ahsoka asks how many droids there were, and Sabine says two, but she destroyed one. Big clue there. Now we're going over to Balin's skull. Remember Balin's skull and Shin Hati from last time. So Balin's skull and Shin Hati arrive. It was like this sacred grounds sort of thing. Didn't it kind of give you like this ancient ruined sacred ground vibe from like Skyrim or something? What'd you think? Yeah, that's the kind of vibe I got from it as well. It it, it was definitely <laughs> like a, like out of the Skyrim aspect. I haven't thought of Skyrim in a long time, <laughs> uh, but yeah, very ancient. Very you know, you, you can tell there's some sort of like uh, something almost spiritual about the place. I guess I can say, and you know, I'll just leave it at that. Definitely. So uh, they arrive there, and a Balin skull places the gold sphere we were talking about last time. On it was like a mount, almost like a little pedestal places it there, like in the center of the sacred ruins. And he says, Contact Morgan, tell her we believe we have located the reflex point on Satos. And uh, Shin Hati, as she begins to exit, you can see a ship begins to pull in over them. Back to Ahsoka, she's inspecting the area where Sabine was attacked, and you know, the map was taken. And Ahsoka is then attacked by the other droid that we thought had left or, you know, had left the place and escaped. Um, the one that was not destroyed by Sabine. And Ahsoka cuts its head off and says, I was hoping you were still here. And then Ahsoka brings the head back to Sabine Real to see if too, she can recover it. I just wanted to add in the fact that Last week, we talked about how Sabine had struggled with these droids, and if she was just a little trained uh, more efficiently or 
more consistently, maybe things would have been different. But here we see the difference in ability between like someone like Sabine Wren and Ahsoka Tano because Ahsoka took care of that battle droid in 10 seconds. Like, it, was, it was not even anything that she had to worry about where Sabine, she was struggling for her life getting out of the grip of the first one and couldn't even get to the second one. So uh, just, I just want to point that out. It's like, you know, there, there's levels to this shit. Great point. Yeah, it was. I mean, I didn't break down the battle because there was no battle. <laughs> it was literally a one shot kill. Cut that off. Keep it moving, man. <laughs> I got things on the schedule <laughs> for Ahsoka. So, uh, yeah, she brings the head to Sabine, and Sabine goes to re- try to recover the memory. I think that's a good point for Sabine, too. You can tell she definitely has a. Uh, a good point of like scientific intellect to be able to try to do that and get information out of it and the droid begins to over overheat and as sabine is extracting the information she realize realizes the droid was made on corellia corellia is how i say it right the planet and that's where morgan had factories originally so hera uh Sindala, she's the general Uh, that we saw last episode Uh, she says morgan's operations should have been dismantled after the rebellion there and then ahsoka questions her and says has anyone checked on that and hira says i'll meet you there so clearly there's something going on there sabine insists on going but ahsoka tells her she needs to recover now question for you here there's definitely still at this point this like animosity between the two so I feel like at this point, Sabine probably could have still gone, but I feel like Ahsoka like didn't feel like dealing with it is really what the deal was. Or do you think she actually needed to kind of recover here? I think it's somewhere in the middle. I, I really believe that Ahsoka at this point didn't trust her because realistically, it's in Ahsoka's head, I feel she believes it's Sabine's fault that she took the map home and didn't stay on the ship with the map in the first place. So I think it's more like a lack of trust. Like, I can't trust you to do what I ask, so I can't have you there because you're a liability. That's kind of how I, I view it. Yeah, great point. Yeah, I definitely see that a little bit, too. So at this point, so then Hera tells Sabine, though, that uh, Hera tells Sabine she did good. However, Sabine then tells Hera that she regrets after the first time seeing, you know, her in in years the first thing ahsoka in years and the first thing she kind of does is go sideways meaning like nothing goes the way she really planned and then hera tells sabine that they'll need help need to help each other and ahsoka does need her help despite what she thinks and kind of that conflict they're having at the moment and balen skull at this point then goes and shows morgan the gold sphere that they have and Balin reconfirms with Morgan that the area that they're in wasn't built by Jedi. And Morgan tells Balin that ancient people from a distant galaxy built it and asks him if he wants to see the galaxy. Morgan activates the sphere and it engulfs the area. This was really cool. It kind of reminded me of like something Yoda would do in a training session with halflings. And it just takes over the area with the map, right? So she activates this map, and it shows the galaxy and their destination, which is where Grand Admiral Thrawn is banished to. And then Morgan tells Balin Skull that Thrawn calls to her, and the threads of fate do not lie. And Morgan tells Balin that the Eye of Sion, 
is on its way to them and to prepare for its arrival. And Balin assures Morgan that Marok will complete his task. Shinhati then asks Balin what happens when they find Thrawn. And Balin said, for some war, for others a new beginning. And Shin says, and for us? And Balin said, power such as you've never dreamed. And this kind of hit me one way because it got me thinking to what we were talking about last week. How you said Balin kind of is really out for himself. Like I definitely see him as not really a picking aside here. Like whatever is going to benefit him, that's kind of what he's going to do. Um, so then Balin tells Shinati to go to Corellia and assist Marok with final transport. And then Ahsoka at this point arrives to see Hera and Min Weaver, who's kind of like. I guess he's in control of this operation that's going on at this planet for whatever's left over. Um, and he insists that all operations in the facilities that were held by Morgan were dissolved and redistributed. redistributed. And Ahsoka and Hera still request inspection, but Min shows one of Morgan's old facilities that now power new ships, and he informs Ahsoka and Hera that some of the ex-Imperials of hers still work at the facility and this is a cool point because it goes to show like you really don't know where people's loyalty lies because Hera and Ahsoka are questioning the loyalty of these workers and Min says he doesn't question their loyalty because the average worker doesn't care about politics they only care about getting paid which kind of goes into nowadays (laughs) like you're not really going to see people picking sides and sorts of things it's really whatever benefits them the most And then Hera begins to question the loyalty of men himself. And he says, like every businessman, my loyalty is to my investors. I'll leave the politics up to you. Which makes me already question, like, where this guy sits on the side of the fence. And then Hera brings up that she thinks Ahsoka should consider bringing Sabine back as her apprentice. And mentions they wouldn't be where they are without her help and Ahsoka still arguing because of this past conflict and the animosity they had argues that she's not ready yet and Hera said I'm curious what makes someone ready and Ahsoka says you just know so in my opinion here I think Ahsoka is still being kind of petty what do you think about this well I think that this is Ahsoka's first attempt at having an apprentice and I just think that she's going along with this there's growing pains that go along with it and I think she's like she has a a preconceived notion in her head and I think that realistically I'm, I'm thankful that this droid Hu Yang has stuck with them this this long because I feel like he's a good buffer of like uh, keeping them, you know, following the original Jedi code and Jedi order, and like having that information available, but also the, telling her that they, this, like, it's not a, um, it's not a one size fits all, like it's sort of deal. He told her that you knew this is going to be difficult. This is someone that, like, your your upbringing was a little bit difficult too. It's just one of those things. I think that she had a preconceived notion of what having a pre- an apprentice would be in her head. And that's why she's like, you just kind of know. Where, like, I don't think she really did know because obviously I think what we've seen is that, you know, Sabine isn't a bad person. It doesn't, isn't like a a character that 
like really comes off as you know like an Anakin Skywalker could you know turn bad and fuck up the whole universe like she doesn't give those kind of vibes at all I just think Ahsoka may be shell-shocked from that because that is what you know Anakin was her master and she saw what he became and is like so worried about that happening that she's so quick to shut shit down without giving Sabine the benefit of the doubt that's kind of where, where I'm at she has this preconceived notion of what you know she thinks are warning flags of something going really really wrong with uh, someone who's got Jedi abilities. That, that's what I think. I got a question for you, and not to get too off topic, but do you feel like other masters and apprentices haven't given up on their Padawans because they've seen high Metachlorian counts? Not to give anything away, but do you feel like maybe she doesn't feel like being as invested in Sabine because she doesn't see as much talent there as what maybe she could have found elsewhere. No, I think it's because she's afraid that Sabine is really um, empowered and, and motivated by her emotions, and that's dangerous. You know, Anakin wasn't bad. Like you know, his his motives were good. You know, wanted to save Padme, make sure she didn't die. He cared about his mother. You know, wanted to receive, free her from slavery. It's just like he was driven by those emotions, and, uh, and he was unbalanced, and ended up being susceptible to, you know, uh, Darth Sidious or Emperor Chancellor Palpatine, whatever you want to call him. So I think that she has this worry that Sabine, because you know she has this emotional connection to Ezra Bridger, and like also her home planet of Mandalore was blown up and maybe harbors some anger and resentment about that. I think Ahsoka's nervous more so than like disinterested. I don't think she's just not interested in because there's any lack of talent. I think she's, she's nervous because she's afraid of what she thinks Sabine could become if Sabine is fully trained, but becomes unbalanced and, and you know, is driven by those emotions, strong emotions, whatever they may be. That That's what I think. I could see that. It just brings up an interesting question because we talk about Obi-Wan and Anakin. And remember, Obi-Wan always said, you were supposed to bring balance to the Force, not leave it in darkness. And Anakin's Metachlorian count was off the charts. So, like, it makes you almost wonder. Here's a question for you, and then we'll close this quick little side question out. If Anakin's Metachlorian count was average and Qui-Gon still wanted to recruit him and, you know, the whole thing fell into place where Obi-Wan still trained him, do you think Obi-Wan would have ever gave up on Anakin after he got so far to the dark side? Or was it because he felt like he was supposed to be the chosen one here? So, yeah, I, I definitely... I, I Also, because of exactly how the the death of Qui-Gon came about you know they were fighting Darth Maul and together and Obi-Wan saw his master fall and his last words to Obi-Wan and, and departed on him were you know look after Anakin he's going to be the one to bring balance to the force like he's so I think Obi-Wan was really held those last words of his former master close to his heart and did everything he could to make sure that Anakin could you know, bring this balance to the force and be the chosen one. And so that, I think that has a lot to do with it because of how close 
Obi-Wan's relationship was with Qui-Gon Jinn and he always thought Qui-Gon Jinn was right about everything. And so, uh, and it ended up being right at the end because Anakin did bring balance of the force, but like, you know, quote unquote, before the sequels ruined everything he did by, (laughs) but he, 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 he did by throwing, you know, Palpatine down that shaft and, killing him although apparently he didn't because like i said the sequels decided that he's gonna be the guy brought back but uh (laughs) in any event he was the guy who did bring balance to the force and uh, after all so obi-wan did all those things and ended up paying off although you know anakin did kind of (laughs) fuck up a lot of shit for a lot of years before he finally uh turned it turned it around on his last uh his last actions before he, he he died too so you know, I, I it's it's tough. I, I don't necessarily think it it would have been as dire if things started going so sideways. If like, if Quagwin was just like, hey, this is just another normal Padawan who's a decent Jedi candidate. Uh, we want I want you to train him. I still think Obi Wan probably would have gone above and beyond what most people would do because again, that would have been Qui Gon's last departing words to him, and he would take that seriously but i don't know if he w- it would be as dire or like his core drive is to you know make anakin uh, you know just non-stop try to bring him back to the good side i guess is the is the way i'll put it so i don't i don't know it's, it's a hard it's a hard question to ask i think i just think the relationship between qui-gon jinn and obi-wan is what really drove obi-wan to do everything he could to honor Qui-Gon's last words and, and take care of Anakin and, and try to bring him up as who he was destined to be. But if he wasn't destined to be that, I still think Obi-Wan would have done more than most. Maybe not everything he did knowing he, who Anakin was, but he would still do more than most because it was one of Qui-Gon's last requests to him. So that's what I think. Yeah. Great, great thoughts. I'm, I'm pretty much on board with you there just to, uh, Bring it full circle, though. The reason I bring that up is because if there was some sort of allude, like uh, something being alluded to the point of Sabine was maybe like the chosen one or something like that, or she had a lot more uh, talent that was projected out there in in the galaxy, and people thought she was this great force. Uh, last quick question is: Do you think Ahsoka? would be more forward and try to take her on as apprentice instead of being more afraid with what would happen honestly no i think it'd almost be the opposite if sabine was some sort of destiny driven child who had the fate of the worlds on her shoulder i think ahsoka would be even more scared and not even train her at all Uh, because i again (laughs) i I, don't reason i say that is i just think she had that experience of what happened with Anakin. Anakin was her master. So she saw firsthand in the, in the Clone Wars, because that's when uh, Anakin was secretly training Ahsoka Tano. You got, we don't see it in the, in the prequels or anything because it was, it was a secret. He wasn't supposed to have an apprentice because he wasn't a Jedi master. So my point is, is that she got to see from the beginning him as a good Jedi turn to the dark. And when she started to realize what he was becoming and, and how he was not like obviously a force for good anymore she walked away from him so i think that she again it's just more ptsd of damn i've seen this before i'm not gonna do this again so i almost think that if if sabine was super 
important to the fate of the worlds, I think Ahsoka just would have stayed away from her. I can see it. I, I can I can see it. Makes sense. So back on track here. <laughs> so uh, the droid in Sabine's room notices that uh, they made a modification to Ezra's lightsaber, and it was Sabine that made the modification. And he hands it. Well, begins to hand it to Sabine and says now it can be considered your lightsaber like her personal lightsaber since she modified it because remember she had that relationship with ezra and the droid recommends that sabine start her training again despite sabine's argument about ahsoka giving up and not letting her in on the plan and droid the droid just says you know she's making excuses and needs to start training again and sabine begins to say that ezra was a lot more talented than her and this is really funny because he's very blunt, this droid is, and he just says, your aptitude your aptitude with the Force falls short of them all. <laughs> like, you're pretty much, like, the worst one we've ever had. Like, and at first you're almost thinking, like, reverse psychology, but no, he's just being fucking blunt. Like, no emotions about it. And uh, the droid hands Sabine the lightsaber and says, the only time you're wasting is your own. If that doesn't motivate you, I don't know what will. Talk about a kick in the ass. And uh, then we're back over to Min, and Min shows Ahsoka and Hera the control center where Hera notices a hyperdrive core. And Min says that they have refurbished nine of the new models for the New Republic defense fleet. But then Hera kind of catches him in this whole story he's telling. And Hera argues that the New Republic isn't building anything that big. And Hera asks what class of starship they're for. And Min looks in his files and said, they're classified. Yeah, something's definitely going on here. And so, and then despite being a general, Min says that he can't open the files for Hera. And Hera asks Min that if there are any assassin droids in the era, in the area. And Min, despite like him trying to rebuke this, this droid i don't know its name it looked like c3po but red did it have a name at all i don't think it had a name if it did i didn't catch it yeah but it just openly says that an assassin droid kept her from completing her task five rotations ago and it's departing on transports uh that are near them and then Hera demands they stop the ship and the workers refuse and all the workers pull out light guns uh, you know, laser guns and start shooting at him. And I call course, them blasters. I don't know if that's the actual name, but I just call them blasters. Blasters, yeah, that's probably better. Light guns, light swords. <laughs> just stick light in front of everything. Anyways, uh, yeah, so blasters, and you know, they're shooting at Ahsoka and Hera, but it really is no t- contest, though. Like, Ahsoka pulls out her lightsabers and the Force takes them out while Hera jumps uh, jumps in a spaceship to take off towards the ship that has the assassin droid in it. And Ahsoka is running on foot towards the ship, and as she's running on foot, she's stopped by Marok and the assassination droid uh, that's next to him. And this is sick. This Marok guy, we saw him a little bit last episode, but it was badass. He has, like, the mask he has like one of those uh, lightsabers that you almost saw from like the Obi Wan series, but Ahsoka ignites both her lightsabers and then begins to attack them two on one. 
and uh, the assassin droid lunges first, forcing Ahsoka in the middle, and Ahsoka gets the middle ground, eventually stabbing through the droid and turning him towards Marak, engaging away from the edge, but Mark then cuts down his own droid that's next to him, like trying to get to Ahsoka as she uses his body as a shield. A shield. And then Mark lights the other end of the lightsaber, revealing it's that dual saber, which is fucking badass. And then uh, Hera continues her pursuit, and she tells her droid Chop to ready a tracking device. And they can't just shoot the ship down in front of them because it'll crash into the city below and kill civilians. And then Ahsoka and Marak continue their fight. She's deflecting attacks with her both her lightsabers. This is badass. Kind of reminded me of like Anakin and Count Dooku. It was sick. Like if Anakin fought Darth Maul or some shit. So Marak then checks his notification on his arm that the ship is there's a ship on the way for him. And he initiates this spinning on his lightsaber like we almost saw Reva do back in the Obi-Wan series. This is fucking sick. And, you know, it has the dual, like, sabers and is fighting towards Ahsoka. But then the ship comes down and Shin Hati is on board. And then Merrick, Marak throws the saber towards Ahsoka and it goes like misses her by feet like i swear by feet like felt the wind from that damn thing and then he's standing on board of the ship and then calls it back and it barely misses her and he grabs it in his hand after using the force to throw it at her with the force throw Hera is then getting close to the ship and they engage in hyperdrive chop throws the tracker chop the droid on it and they're successful and then Sabine is back at her home and takes out Mandalorian armor and a Mandalorian helmet. Holy shit. And then, you know, she had this, like, really cool hair, first of all. Like, you know, she has, like, that colored hair. It was fucking sick. And then she pulls out a knife and cuts it and picks up the helmet. This was badass. That was fucking cool. And then Ahsoka and Hera are shown arresting the workers that are there because like previous empire works workers i guess you can say and min has his handcuffs on he's being taken to the ship like a little bitch boy he is <laughs> and then uh, hira tells ahsoka that she will keep her updated on the tracker on the ship and then sabine appears in a message to ahsoka in her mandalorian armor and says i'm ready and then ahsoka arrives for sabine and the droid and then uh and they arrive and say they've traced the ship to the Danab system and has remained in orbit around satos and then sabine boards the ship with ahsoka and ahsoka says to sabine take us out padawan and she like grabs the pilot drive and engages it so now she's officially under ahsoka's wing again and then now we're back over to Morgan for our our final ending scene here. And Morgan tells Balin Skull and Shin Hati and Marak that the installation of the final hyperdrive has begun. And soon the Eye of Scion will be complete and they shall deliver Thrawn from his exile. And Morgan mentions that uh, Morgan 
mentions that Ahsoka is troubling Balin's skull, which that's wild because Balin's a fucking badass. Like, I'm surprised anything would trouble him. And he's in the, you know, the projection message and says, her presence in the force is elusive, but her determination is vivid and she is coming. And Morgan just says, nothing can prevent our journey. And Balin says, to kill her would be a shame. There are so few Jedi left. And Morgan says, sentimental? And Balin says, truth. And the communication projection disappears. Morgan turns around, end of episode. Fucking badass episode. What did you think of that episode, man? What are your takeaways? Yeah, I really liked that ending scene. Where, like, because again, it just shows that Balin doesn't give a fuck about Morgan or this big plan overall. It's just he, like, you know, he, because usually people will be like almost subservient, like, okay, I'm serving your cause, so whatever you say, like, and kind of almost drink the Kool Aid, so to speak. And she's like, oh, you're being sentimental. He's like, no, it's just the truth. Like, there's few Jedi left. I'm like, I don't care that you don't, you know, you don't see it like that. I do. You know, I, I was a Jedi, I went to the temple. Like, there's like, regardless if she's on the opposite side of what our objective is. There's still very few of us left. I'm not going to take any pleasure in killing her, you know? So I really enjoy him because he just, he, he's, he's interesting. And I, I, I like to, I want to follow his character a, a little closer. It's just, I don't know what his end goal is or what he's looking to accomplish, but it is something very interesting because, like I said, I enjoy his character. It's very much um, a guy in his own terms, but just willing to play a part for now and, deal with what he needs to deal with and then when it's time to really go after what he's looking for we're gonna see what that is you know i i think that's that that's what my thoughts on on Valen skull are but in terms of the episode as a whole again a really good mix of like action and storyline we you know obviously we needed to go to corellia morgan elsbeth still has that little bit of a like uh, a presence there. So these people are still working for her in secret. The, like the, and the Imperial remnants are still, you know, doing all, all this stuff undercover. And they almost, you know, like Ahsoka almost gets Ahsoka and Hero are get very close to catching up to them again. But then you got that that guy that's the double. It's like, I don't even. Know I want to call it a lightsaber. I don't know what it is, but it's not a lightsaber. But whatever the hell that thing is, like you mentioned, we saw it in the Obi Wan series as well. But it, this that guy has some sort of pretty strong combat skills because again ahsoka the top tier warrior and held his own i'm not saying that he beat her or nothing but she he definitely prevented ahsoka from getting aboard that ship and stopping it and that's that's that something said for that in and of itself the fact that you delayed a jedi but here's another thing too it really pissed me off it's like yeah, maybe this thing could do hand-to-hand combat, but it's almost as if Ahsoka just completely forgot she could use the Force for anything. Like, why did she not use the Force at all in that battle? Like, dude, just push his ass out of the way, dude. He can't use it. Like, it's not that he can use the Force. If he could use the Force, it's one thing, because then, you know, you're all now you're in this, like, energy battle of someone who's doing the Force against you and stuff. Like, I would understand it if it was her and Balin Skull going one-on-one and and just didn't have the time or the energy to want to think about the Force. But this, this uh, you know, enemy has no ability to do that so it just seemed very silly to limit your skill set to just a sword fight you know a glorified sword fight you know what i mean so that that bothered me a little bit just use a force throw something at him he ain't gonna go nowhere push him off the damn ledge i don't know dude (laughs) like there's just there's just a lot that could have been done but i do like the development of having almost tears of 
villains. I don't want to say villains, but like the bad guys that are shown that we, or at least the way we're looking at the antagonist. That's the best, the best way for me to put it. The, the tears of the antagonist, right? We've got Shinati, who's like pretty skilled, but you know, still at the, the learner level. Then you got this metal guy here, who's probably a little bit above Shinati, who can give Ahsoka a little bit of a, a struggle. And then you got Balin Skull, who's probably going to be like the top tier guy. And then who knows? Maybe Morgan Elsbeth is um, actually maybe even I would I would say. Uh, Balin School probably would tear above Morgan. I have not seen her do anything. You know what I mean? I've not seen her really do nothing. So, and then obviously we're going to have later on, I'm assuming we're going to have these other, you know, this this Grand Admiral, this mysterious Grand Admiral is going to come into play, and he's going to have some tier level on this as well. So, to me, I really enjoy what they're doing. They're showing us the the tears of the antagonist and, and how uh, the protagonists are going to have to overcome it somehow. And it, it, it's great. So I, I, I do like that. And I like the fact that this was an episode where it was, again, it, it, it was action filled, but it wasn't just action. And it followed along the sequence of we're giving chase. So like, you know, the, the whole episode last week ended with, the antagonist taking the map, but Shin Hati and, and the other Baldra taking that map and departing off Lothal and leaving Sabine laying on the ground almost dead. And so we're following, picked right back up with that. We're okay, we gotta get this map back. This is what we're gonna do. So Ahsoka goes and kills that Baldroid that scans ahead to figure out where that might be. And then she realized it was made on Corellia. They realize, and then, you know, she gives that information to Hera. Hera's like, hey, Morgan Ellsworth used to have something on Corellia. And then they go there to check it out. And then it ends up being a, still like a small base for some of the Imperial remnants. And, you know, so my point is, is it follows the storyline and it kept you engaged with the action. The special effects were cool. The ships, like the hand-to-hand combat, all of that was really enjoyable. So, you know, my takeaways are, is, you know, the first two episodes of this series really are captivating and engaging. And they, they bring a lot of of fans together in terms of original fans and new fans. And it's really cool to see. And I'm just hoping it continues because, you know, what we said this about our last, our last uh, topic that we covered, we covered the Witcher season three, right? And the first episodes we thought were really sick. And my fear is, well, again, not fear. I, I just hope it doesn't fall down that same path of it was so, so good and the expectations are up here. And then all of a sudden, you know, from episode three to eight, like it just shoots us, our asses down. So I don't anticipate that being the case. I will say, like I said, Dave Filoni and John Favreau are really, really strong at keeping people captivated with stuff. Like to me, The Mandalorian is the best Star Wars thing we've seen in a long time. Uh, obviously, the Obi-Wan series was well received too. And now we got Ahsoka here, and the first episodes have been really engaging and very captivating. So the takeaways are, it's a good episode, exactly what I expected and what I would need to see to continue interest in watching this show all the way through and, and just having leaving us with some lasting like wow moments. So those are my takeaways. Yeah, same thing. It was fucking awesome. Like, it was great because... Uh, we're continuing this path of trying to get the map back, right? And then the enemy is using the map to find Thrawn, who is really going to be like the big bad, right? So we're following a linear line here. So we're not just jumping all over the place. But at the same time, you're also bringing in more character development and more backstories and secrets that are being revealed and things coming full circle 
And you had that badass fucking battle scene that kind of took me back to like the episode one moments, like an episode that you almost wonder, like should have been like a filler, not a filler episode, but more of like a buildup episode. And it still had it all. It was fucking awesome. It was great. There wasn't a moment where I was like, oh, wow, I'm bored. Like it was it wasn't too long. It was perfect uh, length uh, and it definitely kept you on your toes and also revealed a lot of things too that just brought up more questions while answering some so it, it was ex- excellent i would give it a i would probably on a grading scale i'd give it a b plus what would you give it on a grading scale yeah uh as a continuation episode more so than a standalone great one on it on its own like I would probably say around this. I would probably give it like a B, B plus as well. I I don't I don't have a problem with that. I you know I I don't I would probably give episode one like an A minus. I thought episode one was to to start a new series like that and and uh, come up with something really interesting and somewhat believable and conceivable. That that obviously grades a little bit higher for me. But there's nothing wrong with episode two at all. I, I think it, it did exactly what it needed to do. It wasn't the greatest episode of any fantasy fiction show I've ever watched ever, but it did just fine. It did everything it needed to do, and you know, uh, I think a B or B plus, very very uh, fair score. Yeah. Um, so your debates for today, you want to kick us off? Yeah, and I kind of mentioned, so I've, I've got two debates today, but I'll, then this is just more of a continuation of what I was talking about earlier when Ahsoka's battling this other antagonist here and just decided not to use a force at all. Do we think that that was intentional, or was she just so focused on trying to beat this thing in hand-to-hand combat that she forgot? And if she forgot, man, that's not a good look on a Jedi Knight or a former Jedi Knight. You know, you had an objective. Stop that fucking ship. You absolutely could have done it if you this guy was out of your way. And you couldn't get this guy out of your way because you got pulled into fighting his fight. You you didn't make him fight your fight. You fought his fight. Uh, just a hand-to-hand, sword-to-sword combat. That's it. Like, what the hell was that? So I guess my question to you is, do you think she forgot or she did it intentionally as if, like, maybe stopping the ship wasn't as crucial? Or do you think she fucked up? Like, what do you think? Uh, I think people aren't going to like my answer (laughs) because I'm going to be blunt about it. I think it was a little bit of both, I'll say. Like, I don't think... I think she thought Hera could track the ship, but I think she did want to learn her opponents. But at the same time, I'm just going to, you know, call it like I see it. I think she's been slacking a little bit. I mean, it's been a lot of fucking time since she's trained with the best. And, I mean, well, you can say the best second of the best i think there's only two best there's obi-wan and anakin and she trained with one of them one that can arguably at one point can be called the best because obi-wan was old as fuck (laughs) but i mean even when they were in their prime obi-wan outsmarted him and there's one point though he dragged him across a fucking gasoline tank with fire on it and just like got overconfident so like But it's been a long time since she's trained with the best. And I know she's been going on these missions, but who the fuck has she really had to fight against? Like, I mean, yeah, in this time period, I mean, yeah, she's probably gone up against some Mandalorians and that sort of thing. 
But at the same time, she's more teaching people her skill than mastering more of her abilities. So I think she just kind of got, I don't want to say overwhelmed, because I don't think she was overwhelmed. I think those were two enemies that weren't really on her level at all, but she was taking two on one, and they weren't, I mean, Sabine would have gotten like owned (laughs) like it was like a whole nother level for that but it wasn't like she was sitting here fighting fighting Balin Skull or you know someone on like Darth Maul status or anyone like legendary right but at the same time I think she's been slacking I mean who the fuck has she had to fight some fucking droids that came into the house like that's really all she's had to go up against So when you get so used to just whipping ass and taking names and just using physical ability, I mean, you forget to even, I mean, you know, we don't want to give anything away for in the future, but I mean, you do the master abilities of a Jedi, I mean, to really tap into intellect on the battlefield, I think she was just kind of going for it and trying to use brute force and do anything she had against the two-on-one. Kind of like, I keep making references to Anakin, but I hate to bring up Anakin, but I mean, he's kind of fucking relatable. He was her fucking master. I mean, look what he did against Count Dooku, Obi-Wan, told him to wait (laughs) and he didn't fucking listen and said i'm taking him now well he got his fucking arm chopped off and rightfully so and i think it's kind of like here like she's honestly i mean yeah you can say she like won the battle i guess because i mean she fended off her territory i guess but Mara, it's not like she captured him or anything. Like, he escaped Scott clean. So, I mean, she really took a fucking L. Like, it's being fucking nice saying she did anything good. All she really did was run out in the open and got shot shot at by a fucking laser ship. That was really fucking stupid, if you ask me. If I'm being fucking blunt, Hera did more of the fucking work. The ship wouldn't even be tracked if it wasn't for her. That would have been a fucking waste of time. You just ran out there, you wasted more of your crystals, so you're going to have to replenish that shit. If anything, the enemy actually learned more about you. And while you had this petty-ass fucking smug attitude that you didn't want to take your Padawan back and you wanted to do it all yourself, when being honest, then people are not going to like this answer. The only reason they're in a big fuck-up is because of her anyways. Because if she was where she was supposed to be, then Sabine wouldn't have gotten stabbed through the fucking stomach. (laughs) So I'm going to leave it at that. People aren't going to like that answer. But my side of the story is... Yeah, I think she did want to try to learn her enemies a bit. But at the same time, I think she started to get overwhelmed because she was taking two on one from someone that wasn't a fucking underling (laughs) that actually had some sort of force skill. And then she was like, oh, shit. Well, uh, all right, fuck. I got to actually fight this person off and just stop thinking in the whole situation. Like it was, it was literally like a quarterback that drives down to the 30 yard line. And all of a sudden you're throwing, it, it was literally incomplete pass after incomplete pass after incomplete pass. 
you go for it on fourth and goal and you have to kick a fake field goal and you actually wind up running it in by fucking luck because you fumbled it and the other guy picked it up. That's exactly what happened. So with that, I rest my case. What's your thoughts, Jay Nelly? I think she fucked up, man. Like, I, I just, I don't understand. You, you teach balance and you teach this whole, like, zen aspect of being a Jedi and yet in the heat of the moment, you're not going to utilize your full tool set. And my thing is, is dude, if you want to learn your enemy, fucking take that guy's lightsaber or whatever that thing was. Again, it's not a lightsaber, but that that saber esque uh, weapon that that guy had, and if just take that shit out of his hand with the force and throw it off the side and capture his ass. And then maybe you've already captured Morgan Elsbeth. Like that was the whole thing. This whole damn fucking series started because she was she already uh, captured Morgan Elizabeth and Balin Skull and Shin Hati had to go on that ship and get her out of as, as a prisoner. So you're gonna capture her, but you can't capture this damn guy here in front of you. And that's my other thing too is like, if she was able to do that, she could have got information. She could have got all learned all she needed to do about uh, her enemies and learned all of that from that guy. Whether she needed to use what kind of techniques, whatever. Being a Jedi, use some mind tricks, whatever she needed to do. She ended up getting the true location of the map out of Morgan Elizabeth, And she even told Hu Yang she did that by not following standard Jedi protocol. So my point is, is like, you could do that with her, who's a formidable enemy. Like, what, what the heck is this, like, third tier antagonist doing giving you a hard time? That's my problem. Is that, like, I don't know. And maybe it was just supposed to be... To add to the plot of uh, and, and it add to our anxiety of shoot oh no she didn't quite accomplish what she was supposed to do but the thing is is you you, you can't build Ahsoka up as the second coming of Anakin or there's someone who's got like Anakin esque abilities and then have these kind of mistakes be made you, she's like essentially reminds me of a more calm like what Anakin was supposed to be very skilled very talented in the ways of the Force but more calm like almost emotionless and just uh, that, 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 that's almost how she comes across. But the thing is, is all you're showing us is she's not, she's really not there herself. Like, like almost to what your point is, is you know, she's maybe all the adversaries that she's been facing recently have not been, you know, it's almost like playing a video game on the easy mode. Uh, yeah, eventually you're not actually going to improve at all. Like, yeah, you might be whooping some ass and you might be looking real good like in stat-wise, but realistically, you're not getting any better. And I think that might have been a call into play here because, you know, the only real decent enemy we saw Ahsoka fight was in that episode in The Mandalorian where she fought the one with the Beskar spear. And they had a cool little back and forth and that was fine. But... Realistically, we haven't seen much more of that, and she captured Morgan Elizabeth. Yay, that's cool. It's just I don't know. There's no reason that this individual, or even and even though it was a two on one, it was like only a two on one for a very short amount of time. It's you know, and they, like it's not as if she was doing twenty minutes of I've got to block my backside and attack from front side. I've got no time or or. Ability to do anything else other than just kind of defend and, and do it. Like, yeah, it happened for a little bit, but really at the end, it was just her and the other guy, you know? And I just was really disappointed that Ahsoka couldn't, couldn't figure out a way to get that guy out of there. And this doesn't make sense. He's not on her level, but he's still, like I said, I think he made her fight his fight. 
And I don't know. I think that that leads to the deficiencies that she may have that we don't always see because we just assume that she's the main character and the focal point of the series. So she's got to be the best. Right. And, you know, I don't necessarily think she is. Uh, uh, And I think that maybe in this series, we're going to find out if she is, in fact, the the best or not. And if, if she does have some strong room for improvement. But to answer my direct question, do I think, you know, if it, like it was intentional and she didn't think the ship was that important, they could attract it, or she just fucked up? I think she just fucked up because it really could have made their whole lives easier. They could have just stopped that ship from taking off in the first place, and that's what they should have done. And it's very, it was very manageable. Could have done it, except this guy gets stood in her way and gave her a much harder fight than was needed. And that's that's my my side of it. Yeah, I want to say one more thing on that, not to keep bringing up Anakin, but uh, when Vader was at his prime, we talked about it last year on the Obi-Wan series. She wouldn't have to worry about, you know, trying to track that ship because if she was at her top of her force ability, she'd do what Vader did and just take the whole fucking ship down with the fucking force. Or remember when Vader fought Reva? You mentioned the force and how he used it, at, you know, and mentioning using it in battle combat. He handed Reva her own lightsaber back, only used the force, and then used the force to have her own lightsaber go towards her throat just to toy with her. Like, it was no contest. That's the difference between someone that's been practicing and training that's at their fucking peak. Versus someone that should be getting towards their peak and climbing up the mountain versus someone, as you've been saying, Jay Nelly, has been playing on easy mode this entire time and has been getting checkpoints for it. So that's all I'll say about that. What's your second debate? Yeah, my second debate is, Are we? do you think that as an overall theme of Star Wars going forward, are we just going to continuously get this whole trope of the, uh, there's this Jedi who survived Order, whatever, and we need to bring them back into the fold? Like, I'm getting real, like, I don't want to say I'm getting sick of it, but it's like, is this going to continue? Because at, at that point, what was the point of even having Order 66 if, you know, we're just going to have people coming in and out of the woodwork? You know, I think it would be a lot cooler to maybe focus on other you know i don't think that so many should be coming back and out of of exile i i feel like you know one two three i think like five or less is is something that would be kind of cool because you can kind of build from there but i don't need to have 12 fucking jedi you know just to to say that they you know are are forming up again and trying to bring the restore the jedi order i don't I don't need to keep seeing and, and having series show me, okay, well, guess what? There's a Jedi that survived. Like, okay, sick. You know, like, in this one, it's Ezra Bridger, or, like, you know, if he's alive. So, but, like, he's a Jedi that took Thrawn and brought him into exile. So, you know, assume if, like, Thrawn's alive, I could have a safe assumption that Ezra's alive. Because, again, I'm one of the guys that says I don't believe anyone's gone until I see the body. Right? So, uh, Ezra, 
Vavagna Smee's life, he's a Jedi that, that survived Order 66. Ahsoka, a Jedi that uh, survived Order 66. And then you got Balin Skull. <laughs> like, you know, I know, I know <laughs> like, he, he kind of went and turned away from the Jedi. Maybe that's not the exact same. But you got that, guys. So it's just like, man, at what point is it, is it just too much? And we just should start focusing on other stuff. Like, I do, what I do like is what they've done with Morgan Elsbeth here and, and bringing the Night Sisters and like the witch aspect. I think that, that could be something that yeah. we can work with. I guess my debate is, is like, do you think we're going to continuously have this trope of, hey, there's a lot going on here. The Empire is trying to make a comeback, but there are some secret Jedis that survived. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, do you think we're just going to continue on with that that sort of storyline? Or do you think they're finally going to be like, all right, we've, we've, had, we've done that. We've done that enough, and we're, we're going to move forward from it. Like, what do you think? I, 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 I don't know that I think at all. I really hope not is what I would fucking say, because honestly, I think it devalues the franchise. Like, of course the originals, like what was so cool was seeing Luke with a fucking lightsaber or, you know, at the end of Mandalorian season two, we saw Luke come back with a lightsaber. Those are different moments because before all this stuff happened, like we knew Luke was like the only one, right? Or if you made references to Anakin and Obi-Wan, like they were always there, like they're legends. It's not like we're just bringing in new people all the time. It's almost like they're trying to, they were trying to expand the franchise, but then it's like they realized people wanted lightsabers. So then they're like, oh, we'll come up with the trope that, oh, there is more Jedi to be found. Or they were on this planet. And the reason I say it devalues it is because, and and not to bring up other series here, but it does relate because it's Ahsoka was in the series, but like the Mandalorian, like the big thing with Grogu is he was able to use the force and like no one really in that area was able to do something like that. Like Mandalorian weren't Jedi. Like that's why it was so good. And now we're just like finding Jedi everywhere. And it kind of gets really annoying. I mean, I really think Balin's skull is really fucking cool. Like, that's fucking awesome. But, yeah, it's it's like de- almost like you wanted to expand it outside of the whole Jedi idea. But because you think Jedi when Star Wars is in your head, now you have to keep going back to this old trope. And I really hope not, man. I, I really hope not. Like, I think with Obi-Wan, it was different because you weren't finding new Jedi. It was still about full giving a full circle moment for bridging the gap for what happened between these two this prequel and the originals and between two people that were solving an inner conflict that had never been really you know bridged over or put to rest yet right and and that's what we needed to see more of so that wasn't bringing people back but now yeah it's like Every time I turn around, there's another fucking Jedi being found from Order 66. And I'm afraid that eventually at some point, these two series are going to cross over. And where we thought Grogu was going to be like this next big thing, because there really wasn't anything there. And you had Ahsoka and it was like these very few. Now it's like, oh, yeah, now Grogu can be trained with thousands of Jedi. (laughs) It's like, uh, no, that was not the fucking plan. So I don't know, man. To answer your question, I, I, I really don't have a thought on it. 
Uh, my my uh, thought about the situation is that it really devalues the whole franchise, but I'm really afraid. I mean, you can't say they're running out of ideas because they're bringing in this new shit. It's just almost like they're bringing, being lazy. Like, for instance, even, like, Thrawn. Like, he's exiled on this planet. Okay, cool. Like, who's to say Thrawn couldn't have, like, built up his own army somewhere and, like, come back? And But now you're trying to, like... Like, why does that have to be related to Jedis at all, really, is my idea. But it's like, you still want to throw that in there and make it a big piece of it. Because you feel like people have to see lightsabers. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, lightsabers are fucking cool. But that's why you have Ahsoka there. Like, the series is fucking called Ahsoka. <laughs> like, what else is it called? And you have Sabine. Like, that's cool. Leave it as that. Don't have, oh, we found this person still there. And there's another one there that they got to solve. It, it just eventually dilutes it, in my opinion. What's your thoughts? I also agree that I dilutes it because that was the big whole surprise and oh shit moment of like Order 66 of watching all the Jedi fall and like they're just all getting taken out one by one and even in the Obi-Wan series we start seeing that happen from like Reva's perspective but then again there's another Jedi that apparently (laughs) (laughs) we keep fucking seeing the same thing but uh, I I, I do think that you know there, there's some, there's some cool things because that that's another part of it as well, though. Because then we start thinking about back to the Mandalorian and Grogu, and when you started seeing his past, when we were looking at the Mythosaur, and you saw the other that Jedi that got Grogu out there, and he's probably gonna make a comeback now too. It's just one of those things at the whole like the shock and awe and surprise value of the the prequels was that oh shit, like the Jedi are overthrown. They had this big order. They were like in power for thousands of years. They kept the peace for so long. They're doing great at it. Now there's none of them. And then, you know, cool. I like the idea of one, two escape. It, like, and, and they're able to kind of keep it going in secret. But like, like I said, I, I don't give me any more than five. Like five is my cutoff, man. Like I don't need to see Cal Kestis. I don't need to see fucking like Ezra Bridger. I don't need to see... Like this, uh, like the other guy from the Mandalorian one there, like, like, you know, and then we got Ahsoka, then we got Sabine, no, no, no sorry, not Sabine, um, Reva over there. It's just like, at some point there's just too many and it's like, it just kind of waters down, kind of waters down what happened and, and, and lowers the impact of Order 66, which was the big moment and really the fall of the Jedi, which uh, really led to the original trilogy of like, what was the last thing called? The Return of the Jedi? <laughs> like, you know what I mean, dude? Like, I, it's just, it was one of those things. So, yeah, I, I, my point is I agree with the, the fact that I think it dilutes what happened in the whole storyline of Star Wars, the original trilogy and the original storyline and the ones written by George Lucas, like the, the prequels and the original trilogy. kind of takes away from it a bit. But... I, my actual question, and, and I guess the way I can answer is like, do I think they're gonna do it? I, it's hard to it's hard to answer because I'm not in the minds of like the board directors. So I guess I could have framed it differently. But I, again, I also hope not. I'm hoping that we're starting to look at different things, like this whole Grand Admiral side of stuff. That could be cool. It's not Jedi related, but obviously, you know, a Jedi is the one that got him exiled. That's what Bridger did, right? And then we got the, this whole Night Sisters thing. That could be a whole or, ordeal. But then can we also get like something different that we haven't seen in Star Wars yet and make that a focal point for, for a small amount that... And that's, I think that's exactly why I enjoyed The Mandalorian so much is because got to see a whole like, new 
race of people that had nothing to do with Jedi for the longest time until Luke showed up, which was fine because he showed up at the very last episode and all he did was like save them and take Grogu to go train and boom. And then he was out of my face. You know what I mean? Like I saw, I saw him, I got the nostalgic feel. It was badass. I really enjoyed it. It's super dope to see on screen, but it's not like they made the Mandalorian the focal point of just Jedi. And that, that's great. I think that's why I like the Mandalorian is that, okay, I, I, I see the Jedi coming in and out. And then obviously Ahsoka had a quick appearance there in the Mandalorian as well. And it, like I said, it's cool to see the quick things. But I don't need it to be the main focus. And that's why I like the Mandalorian so much. Is like the main focus is on the Creed, on Mandalorians themselves, and this new creature that looks a lot like fucking Yoda. You know what I mean? So I, 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 just, I, I think they have a lot that they could expand on without having to dive into, okay, let's, let's bring back Jedi that should have been killed in Order 66. Like, I think we've done enough of that. So my advice, if I have a voice to say, would be let's stay away from that and let's build on other stuff that you have uh, in your pocket, you know, in, in, in your repertoire. I think, I think the whole Jedi thing has been done a lot. And I think I, there's something to be said for it, too. If you just get it out of our line of sight for a while, maybe 10 years down the road, bring it back, I, I might have a completely different opinion. I might be like, yeah, dude, I fucking miss these Jedi. About damn time they brought the fucking Jedi back. But, dude, like every, every piece of work you have has, to have has to have a Jedi in it. kind of bugs me a little bit. So, um, yeah, I guess I guess that the, the kind of closes out my debate, and is more that's just kind of more of an open discussion more than debate. But, what are your debates or your debate for the day? Yeah, mine for today. I got one, and it's now that we've seen Sabine with her Mandalorian armor. How do you think? And it's more of a question than a debate. But how do you think this is going? this series ahsoka is going to wind up crossing over into the mandalorian creeds how do you think they will play a role if they do at all and do you think at some point ahsoka is going to ever come back to cross over with like din Djarin and and bo katan and and whether it's not even specifically them just the mandalorian in general yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of crossover because you remember uh, Din Djarin asked Ahsoka to train Grogu like in that forest and had him there and she was almost testing Grogu's the force capacity. And so I definitely think there's going to be a lot of crossover. It only would make sense. We saw Ahsoka for the first time in The Mandalorian. We see Sabine Wren here in Ahsoka with Mandalorian armor and we know that her family was killed in the Purge of Mandalore by the empire so yeah i think there's gonna be a lot of crossover i could see it happening multiple times i think we're gonna see you know din Djarin and possibly grogu and ahsoka and i think we're gonna see ahsoka and sabine ren in the mandalorian i think that then because it's around this it's like in the same time because that's the biggest thing with star wars is it does the timelines match up and these timelines match up very well i think it's very possible and i honestly think it's very probable that we're going to have a lot of crossover between ahsoka and the mandalorian series yeah, I, I think it could uh, very well happen. I, I'm interested to see how they're going to bring that in now that they have Sabine as like a Jedi Mandalore. Like that's that's very interesting because, uh, you know, we were talking about before, we've talked about this so many times on the show, we thought Grogu was going to kind of be the first one to do that because he had training from Luke and he had training from Din Djarin. So... I'm interested to see how it crosses over to answer the question directly. I think there definitely will. Um, I'm a, my opinion is I think they're going to wind up using 
they're going to try, I think not in this series necessarily, but, or this season necessarily, but maybe seasons ahead or in another series, they're going to wind up needing each other to team up for whatever the big bad is at that time. Or maybe Thrawn continues to grow at some point. And then, you know, because we've heard Thrawn mentioned in the Mandalorian too, as Mandalorian as well. So I think at some point they're all going to need each other for whatever uh, the goal is at that point to succeed is what I would think. But yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to chime in there. I think we might be uh, getting some sort of like Marvel Avengers type shit where, you know, maybe Moff Gideon and and Thrawn team up and then you need uh, the Mandalorian and and, uh, like the Ahsoka, like the good guys in there, Avengers style team enough to take on them because Moff Gideon secretly survived the big fire blast from the end of that season. And then, you know, that with Thrawn coming back, obviously makes sense for... Moff Gideon to team up with him, and then we're just gonna need a big collaboration of people to take down these, these uh, these bad guys. So I definitely see it. We could be getting Star Wars Avengers here, man. We get the Jedi <laughs> and the Mandalorian fighting together against the the Imperial remnants of the Empire. So um, that that's all I want to add to that. <laughs> that would be sick. Do you think? Uh, and just this, uh, just a little add on to that. Do you think Sabine would ever play a role in helping Grogu in any way now that she's really becoming like a Mandalorian Jedi? I know this is kind of out of left field, but it's really not because there's no other person that's kind of resembled that besides Grogu. I think the reason I'm laughing is just like, I don't think Sabine's going to help shit because I think Grogu's probably already past her, to be honest with <laughs> yeah, you. Probably way past her ass now. <laughs> like, like, that's so Grogu that's trained under a Luke Skywalker, <laughs> dude. <laughs> like, and he's like a child. He's a baby. And Sabine can't even, like, fight off a droid, man. <laughs> like, dude, I don't. Being realistic, Grogu, after training under Luke, I mean, we don't know what happened over there. Grogu might, after we've seen Ahsoka fall back, Grogu could probably kick Ahsoka's ass right now. <laughs> well, I won't get carried away and say all that, but I will say, like, I'm not convinced that Sabine could help Grogu in any way, shape, or form. Like, really, I had to maybe to help him understand Man- the lore of Mandalore, but that that's what the fuck Din Djarin's there for. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like what what like I just don't understand what she could know or what wisdom she could impart that either the Armorer or Din Djarin himself couldn't like impart on. Uh, Grogu. So I, the reason I was laughing is just like I, I honestly really think that Grogu's probably at a higher level overall, like in terms of being a formidable adversary against anyone who they need to take on. I think Grogu probably is at a higher level than Sabine Ren right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think yeah, you're right. I I mean, it's just interesting to see how it's even a crossover. Um, and then right before we close out, I got a question for you that's very interesting to think about since we mentioned Luke Skywalker. So we know Ahsoka trained with Anakin and then Luke trained with Obi-Wan. So, like, who's kind of more legendary at this moment? Like, we obviously know Ahsoka has her name throughout the galaxy. But Luke Skywalker, if you look at Mandalorian Season 2, like, they thought he was, like, a fucking legend. Like, they were like, you're a myth. Like... So who, in your opinion, is kind of more legendary at this moment? Like, you have Luke Skywalker that directly trained under Obi-Wan Kenobi that trained Anakin Skywalker. 
or you have Ahsoka that trained in secret under Anakin. Like, who's kind of more legendary in the galaxy right now? I don't even think we need to have this debate. I think it's pretty, pretty like simple. <laughs> it's, it's Luke Skywalker by leaps and bounds, and that that can be just traced back to what he's done and what he's accomplished, and how he almost I want to say single handedly overthrew the Empire, but had the biggest hand in overthrowing the original Empire with Darth Vader and Palpatine. And the fact is, is that yeah, he was trained by Obi Wan. He was Anakin Skywalker's son. <laughs> like, was, yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, his last fucking name is Skywalker. <laughs> like, who gives a shit about Anakin's apprentice that he trained for four years or so, dude? Like, Luke Skywalker literally is the best of all worlds. He's Anakin Skywalker's son, so has the genes from Anakin Skywalker. Trained by the best good guy of all time there in Obi Wan, and took down the Empire. Like, I don't know how it gets more legendary than Luke Skywalker. I mean, I'd almost argue that Luke Skywalker is more legendary than Darth Vader. Like, that's a <laughs> at, least, at least, at least that's a conversation I'm willing to have and like debate back and forth. But you're talking between Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka Tano. What the fuck's Ahsoka done, man? <laughs> like I don't know, dude. Like she survived the Clone Brand Wars. Scared? Like she walked away from Anakin and didn't turn to the dark side with him. Like congratulations, dude. Like I don't know. Like I just I don't I don't think that that was that's much of a of a debate. I think that's a very simple answer. I think Luke Skywalker is likely the most legendary Jedi to ever to be ever known. So especially since Star Wars, the original trilogy came out first before the prequels and everyone like the first thing that they saw on screen when i had to do a star, a star wars was luke skywalker holding a fucking lightsaber up in the sky like that's just dude the whole star wars logo is him holding the damn motherfucking thing up and they're like yeah dude yeah i don't I, a silly silly question it, it was it's luke skywalker <laughs> yeah yeah i agree with you hands down it's it's definitely luke skywalker it's uh yeah, I mean, I just uh, bringing it back full circle here to like say if they, you know, Ahsoka saw Din Djarin again. It's kind of like Ahsoka walks up, sees Din Djarin again. He's like, oh, hey. And they're, she's like, oh, you're not surprised. I'm here. I'm the legendary Jedi. He's like, bro, like, I, Grogu went and trained with Luke. Like, fuck off. <laughs> Like, like, no one really gives a shit if you're here or not. Like, we saw, like, the most legendary guy here, like, three years ago. Like, go fuck off to the end of time. Keep, uh, keep uh, discovering your buried treasure. We don't need your ass over here. And you can take Sabine out there with you. <laughs> That's my thoughts on that, man. Yeah, man, no, 100%. Luke Skywalker, hands fucking down. Uh, I think the point to this side question is, is that Ahsoka, you got some training to do. You gotta, gotta step up here. And just to add one last thing to that as well, because, like, to us, it's a silly question. We've been around, obviously, we weren't around for the original trilogy. That was in the 70s, right? But we were around right. for the prequels and the ill sequels and everything in between. So the thing is, is that well, at least we are old enough to have an appreciation for the original Star Wars trilogy. But there are some new fans, maybe under the age of 18 or something, who are starting to watch the series who have no fucking clue who Luke Skywalker is. And maybe this is a question that that is like in the back of their head, like, oh, is, is Ahsoka like the greatest Jedi? You know what I mean? And, and, and it's just like, it's yeah. not their fault because they maybe just haven't seen it or done the proper research or gone back and watched that. And even if they did go back and watch it, I don't know if it's going to hold the same weight as like the first time this ever came out in life 
in the history of the Earth's universe. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Earth's universe, that's not, it's kind of an oxymoron. But in any event, <laughs> my point being, like the, when this first came out and George Lucas created this, that this was this was unprecedented. It's never done been done before. Any sort of thing in space, like I know Star Trek is you can argue Star Trek a little bit, but it's not the same. This is like a Western in space with yeah. fucking sick ass weapons and different types of aliens and creatures and it's just really, really it was super iconic and very unique and nothing the very few things have been done since that have really captivated the, the, the masses like Star Wars has done. So the point is is that if you know someone who's just starting to get into like watches Disney Plus a lot, just starting to get into the Star Wars universe, and Ahsoka is the first series that they see, maybe they think Ahsoka is the greatest Jedi because she was trained by the the other guy Anakin who turned to Darth Vader. Everyone knows the Darth Vader name, you know. Like it's, it's just so as silly as it is, and I laughed the question off. It is sad. That it, it, there is an aspect of it, but there may be some people out there that really think that Ahsoka is the 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 highest level Jedi that there's ever been because this is the first thing they're seeing so it is funny <laughs> i know we know the answer to it but it, it's not the worst question in the world because i do think that there is a a group of people that could possibly think ahsoka's the greatest thing since sliced bread i don't know and i don't have any problem with Ahsoka. i think Ahsoka's great i think she's really cool she's actually one of my favorite characters in in the past you know, 10 years of what they've been bringing out. I like her better than anyone in the fucking sequel series. Like, fuck Kylo Ren. <laughs> fuck Rey. Like, like, I, like, I don't care about, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, it's just one of those things where I, I just, when we're comparing to the greatest of all time, it's almost like talking about, if we want to bring up sports references, again, you want to talk about, I don't know, you talk about someone who's maybe... You know, we talk about Tom, Tom Brady. Brady, right? Tom Brady's like the legendary guy, won seven Super Bowls, like pretty much the consensus greatest of all time. But right now, people see Patrick Mahomes, and like Patrick Mahomes is awesome, very, very good. But uh, you know, he's just this is way too early on in his uh, career to just be saying all these uh, these crazy things and 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 just uh, assuming that he's going to have the kind of career that the greatest quarterback we've ever seen has, and that that's kind of. Where it's at, people would just watch an NFL now, see Patrick Mahomes, and like, dude, we never like Patrick Mahomes is the greatest, and you know Patrick Mahomes is very, very good. But these people didn't watch Tom Brady win seven Super Bowls, so like, you know what I mean? Uh, it is what it is, dude. So I, I'll leave it at that. Can I say one more thing before we close out? Because you mentioned the Force and Ahsoka and her having to, you know, use the Force more. Well, we just mentioned Ray fucking Skywalker. She was so good in the Force, I guess. Now, I mean, why didn't she pull a ray and just heal Sabine with the boars? I mean, I think that's kind of a shitty thing anyways. Ray but. was so good in the Force, she changed her last name from Palpatine to Skywalker. That's how good in the Force <laughs> she was. She, she erased everyone's memory of her actual last name. So then she, she, she changed history right there. She's like, my name's she, Ray Skywalker. So. <laughs> Pulling fucking lightsabers out of the sand, and you know we're jumping over fucking space. We're doing backflips over spaceships, going into hyperdrive. So if Ahsoka, so honestly, there could be some people out there that think Ray Skywalker is the most legendary Jedi of all time. Please, dear Lord, no. Erase it from memory. Erase it from memory. And they'll be like. Well, there was Kylo Ren. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Anyways, I'll let you close out. That's irrelevant. Erroneous. Erroneous on all counts. 
<laughs> Sounds good, man. Well, folks, we hope that this is the first time that you joined us. You really enjoyed what you heard today. And if you've been with us from the beginning, thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. If you want to find us online and where we are on all the social sites, we are on Instagram at Official Ridiculous Patronus. We're on TikTok at Ridiculous Patronus. We have a Facebook fan page. It's called Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We're on YouTube at Ridiculous Patronus. Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy. Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy. And we have our own site, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com where you can go ahead and follow along there so please do so please click subscribe like follow leave us star ratings leave us written out review ratings any sort of engagement really helps us here on the show and you know and for the podcast itself if you've got an apple product you can find us on apple Podcasts. if you've got an android product you can find us on google play we're on audible we're on amazon music we're on spotify we're on iHeartRadio, stitcher acast podbean anywhere you get your podcast Jason Josh Factor Fantasy are there. We are out for the day. This has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, Signing off. off.